You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Welcome to the Perth Property Show. I'm Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, episode 216 is the highly anticipated top 10 predictions for growth this year by a suburb in Western Australia. And this episode follows on from last episode's fundamentals for growth. So if you listen to last episode and you tie that in with today, you'd start to see some themes. And that big theme I'm going to hammer all episode today is affordability. This is the year where those suburbs that have maybe been the ugly duckling that have not seen that initial growth from your Cottesloes through to your Duncraigs through to your Melvilles and then the Willoughbys. Now it's that time for that third quartile in Western Australia and maybe even some of those suburbs in the bottom quartile who demonstrate a lot of value from a price point to put a roof over your head with optionality for development in a lot of these places, but also in locations that are actually pretty good when you think about it. This is that time for those dual uppers, for those older stock on the big blocks with the solid double brick homes. This is the year for those guys. So if you can tie in episode 215 talking about affordability, the hip pocket, about practicality and about areas for investors and immigrants to move into who maybe don't have the same biases on where they prefer to live and not this is the year for that. So the plan today is I'll be running through my top 10 predictions for suburb growth. Now I want to caveat by saying this is not my top 10 predictions for long-term value. These are not the suburbs I would suggest would be the top 10 properties for holding for 15 or 20 years or moving into as an owner-occupier for the rest of your life. There are certainly many suburbs in Perth that take that mantle every year and they're pretty consistent. We've heard about those before. They're the ones that generally have the shortest median selling time and the least downside in a downtrend in the market. But these suburbs are the ones that in 2023, from the theme of affordability, tying in our four fundamentals of closeness to water, closeness to the city, closeness to schools, and closeness to activity centers. We're going to be focusing on suburbs that haven't had their run yet, but have certainly started and have certainly shown that initial canary in the coal mine of increase in rental growth. So I'm going to get straight into it. We'll start with number 10, move up to number one, and stick around till the end because I've got six more Smokies that maybe not fit my top 10, but certainly have a bit more longer term value as well. And I believe we'll definitely be running above trend this year. So to start off, my number 10 pick for growth in Western Australia this year by suburb is the suburb of Dudley Park. Now, Dudley Park is a probably one of the higher-end suburbs. It's got its own waterway system in the city of Mandra, and its median house price is only $440,000. Last year, it saw a sales growth of 4.8%, which was just below trend, and a rental growth of 4.5%, which was actually way below trend. So I believe this is that suburb in Mandra that hasn't had its run yet. It's surrounded by suburbs like Erskine, Hallshead, Mandra, Codenup, that have all been between that 8 and 11% in growth last year. And this one just hasn't had its run. I think from a perspective of medians, it certainly had some upside in certain price points. But from a median perspective, given the fact that it has a huge percentage of its properties being on waterways, huge, beautiful mansions in the canals, we're probably not seeing the same numbers come from that top line median. However, certainly from commentary from our professional down there, Ben Hatch from Harcourt, whose business sold over a thousand properties in Mandra last year, his pick in Dudley Park, and I go with him as well. That's the suburb that has had the least run so far and actually offers the most lifestyle benefits. So that's number 10. Number nine, Gosnells. 
Why Gosnells? Why are we going back to that suburb? I've been speaking to that for quite a while. Well, it's pretty clear that the East Coast investors love this suburb, love this region. They see massive value in the rental yield in the location, only being 20-something Ks from the city, but also the median sales price. And that median sales price is a very measly $364,000. It's median rental amount, and this is where this is the kicker here, is $420 a week. Now, we've heard from Shane Beaumont many times over half of his inquiries and purchases are now, in a, after the last two years, coming from East Coast investors. They see value here. Sanjeev Sara, buyer's agent from the East Coast, focuses his time in that Gosnells area as well. Sales growth for Gosnells last year was 10% and rental growth was 16.7%. This was certainly was a high performer, but given its price point still being very affordable underneath the median house price, and given that we're only just seeing the early entrants start to move through from the East Coast investor pool, I still believe there's going to be a huge pull from that day. It only takes 13 days to sell a house in Gosnells. It used to take a good few months. So you can certainly see how growth in this suburb, supported by good investment stock of double brick homes on big blocks with subdivision potential, and the rental yield in the meantime, that ticks every box where essentially it will pay for itself, even with rising interest rates, is an attractive option. All I would suggest for people, if you're looking to do a subdivision, recognise you're sitting in one of the hardest local governments in Western Australia to work with. The city of Gosnells are tough work, certainly when it comes to drainage and soil remediation. If you can get past that or you can make sure through due diligence you're sitting on a property, if it is a development block you're looking for that doesn't have those issues, then good on you. If not, if you're looking for that passive rental, make sure it's a double brick home. Make sure your building inspector has run a fine tooth comb over the home. But in general, I see this suburb continuing its run. And that's the theme that I want to talk to as well today. And you'll start to see properties that have started to have a run already. They don't just turn around. People just, people don't just stop preferencing these suburbs overnight. Clearly, there's an amenity increase for the buyer, whether it's an investor or an owner-occupier, and that coin doesn't just flip overnight. The only thing that stops a run on a suburb, clearly, is affordability, and that's why we've gone with Gosnells again with such a low price of 365 grand on average. Now, number eight on my list is a suburb of Langsford. It sits in the city of Gosnell, sitting close to your Thornleys, your Beckenhams, your Canningvales, Ferndales. Langford's had a great year last year. Sales growth of 10% and a median house price of $400,000. But this is the real kicker, a rental growth of 25%. It'd be up there as one of the highest rental growths in Western Australia, now having a median rent of $450 a week. A lot of homogenous stock here, a lot of double brick homes, a lot of three and four bedroom homes. For a median of just 400K, there's still a lot of affordability in this market with that rent obviously paying itself off even with interest rates the way they are. You don't see a lot of units in this space, but you certainly see a lot of houses on big blocks. A lot of them not subdividable yet, but one day they will be. The suburb of Langford, just like Thornley as well, certainly has a big push from immigrants from the Middle East. So you see a lot of Muslim culture coming through and therefore you see quite a few Islamic schools in the area as well. Alameen College, Australian Islamic School as well. They really provide a groundswell of demand for the area for families to get their kids into those schools as well. So uh, Langford, I see as being the number eight choice for growth this year starting to run through. And now for my number seven choice, Beckenham. Beckenham, which also sits in the city of Gosnells alongside Langford, 
a suburb that's just south of Cannington, so it enjoys the benefits of the recently renovated Carousel Shopping Centre. It's got great amenity with its train station, uh, massive blocks, so still a huge amount of subdivision potential blocks, but also a lot of fairly new units uh, and villas that have come through as well. Beckenham sits alongside the Kenwick Link, Albany Highway, Row Highway, so it's really got a lot of those accessibilities when it comes to getting in onto the freeway, onto Tonkin Highway, out to the airport. It's 13 kilometres from the city, guys, and its median house price is $456,000 for a house on a full block. That's insane. Rental growth last year was 16%. Median rent was $500 a week. Starting to see a theme here. We're looking at properties. Median house price under $500,000 and a rental year that demonstrates an ability to pay itself off even in interest rate spaces like we're in at the moment. Now, the reason I'm keen on Beckenham is because it's seen a lot of benefit increases recently and it will so in the future as well. It will benefit from the Ranford Road Exchange that's being upgraded at the moment on Royal Highway. It benefits from the upgraded Mills Park Reserve, which is so many great facilities there. And the reality is, given the fact that, it's, that there's still a lot of stock there that can be subdivided, you're still going to see a lot of investors moving in there for that optionality in the future. It takes 22 days to sell a property in Beckenham, so it's a little slower than uh, the Perth median, but its suburb interest is clearly doing well. With 142 online views per property in this suburb on average, which is above the Perth average of 134, clearly people are preferencing Beckenham more than most. Let's move on to my number six pick. We're going to move north the river for the first time today, and that is going to Girrawain. Girrawain is in the city of Wanneroo. It's an older suburb with original houses on 690 to 710 square meter blocks. It was rezoned about eight, nine years ago with the city of Wanneroo for subdivision to allow duplexes and triplexes in the area. There's a lot of house behind house subdivision going on there, but there's still a majority of properties are sitting on original houses and original blocks. Its median house price is only $410,000 a week, and it's another one of those suburbs that last year saw rental growth of 25%. Last year had sales growth of 10.8%, and a median rental price of $450 a week. So another one of those suburbs that should be paying for itself. Its closest train station is Warwick for everyone in Western Australia thinking about where is Girrawain and it sits next to Hammersley, Greenwood, Balga, Alexander Heights. Last year, Hammersley made 18.5%. Now that money is going to start rippling over across Wanneroo Road into places like Balga, into places like Girrawain. Why have I chosen Girrawain over a Balga? Probably just because it has less of a negative bias in the name and its history. It's in the city of Wanneroo, so it doesn't have the same issues with the local government being City of Stirling when it comes to development contributions as well. It's one of those suburbs that just haven't gone yet, and I truly believe that Girrawain's got a good future, along with its neighbour suburb, which is my number five pick next year, pick for 2023, Marangaroo. Marangaroo is a great little suburb. It's one of the more expensive suburbs on my list this year, which is saying something. Its median sales price is 492 grand. So it's starting to get up to the Perth median, but it is very much a family suburb. It doesn't have a huge amount of subdivision potential, although some properties on the west side have that. But what it has is a lot of big blocks, big houses, and it's a suburb that was just a little bit newer than a lot of the ones on this list today. Closest train station is still Warwick, and it's, as I said, City of Wanneroo, which was a theme from last week. I'm really big on that ripple effect pushing across from the City of Journal up into now the City of Wanneroo. And the kicker here is that its median sales days is just 14 days, right up there with the best of them. And not only that, the average online views per property, I said Perth was around 130 people, Marangaroo, 292 people per property are interested in Marangaroo right now. And that's for me, that demonstrates there's a lot of heat on that suburb, especially given the fact that it's, it is quite a small suburb in the first place. 
Clearly, it's a suburb that people are pushing into as a ripple effect from places like Darch, from Lansdale, going, look, we don't need the newer property. We'd actually like to be closer to the city. And for our number four pick, we're going to head south for quite a few kilometers into, a, into an old coastal suburb that has seen a lot of pressure from East Coast investors in the last 12 months. And I think that's going to continue as a lot of that information continues to disseminate out to the investor pool in the East Coast. That's the suburb of Safety Bay. Safety Bay sits in Rockingham, quite an old suburb but residential development didn't occur until the 70s, with really the suburb coming on in the 90s. So whilst it's been around for a long time, the suburb itself in terms of residential development is still quite new and therefore houses are still quite good quality. Being in the city of Rockingham on the water, it benefits from a really relaxed lifestyle. It's a little bit away from the city, but but with a local train station Rockingham straight through, a lot of East Coast investors will see that this is actually a pretty accessible suburb from East Coast standards. Kicker here, last year sales growth of 15%, rental growth of 19.5%. It's got a median sales price of only 485 grand. And it sits amongst other suburbs like Rockingham, Shoalwater, Cooling Up that are doing quite well. I'd implore everyone to go and check Safety Bay out on Google Maps and see the massive coastline, the nature reserves, the foreshore parks in this area. It's actually a really beautiful part of the world. It's very quiet and has clearly been from my conversations with Sanjeev Sar, buyer's agent in Sydney, in an area that he sees a lot of value in. Furthermore, it only takes 11 days to sell a property in Safety Bay. Its growth rate absolutely smashes the Perth growth rate at the moment. And its online views per property is well above Perth's average too. And the theme here, and, and this is a theme that will come out in my top three. So for number three, we're going to move north of the river. We're going to head just outside of Morley to the suburb of Lockridge. Now, this is one that a lot of West Australians may never have driven through before. It's a small suburb. Only 3,500 people live there. It's in the city of Swan, but its closest train station is Bassendine. Now, why have I picked Lockridge? Lockridge being one of those suburbs that a lot of people who know the area would go, well, it's a little bit lower socioeconomic. It does sometimes have socio-demographic issues, and there are other suburbs in the area you could be buying in. That's true. That's correct. You could be going to Cavisham for a five-year-old house in a newer land estate. Well, that suburb had 2.9% growth last year, it's, and it's one that I think is, again, competing with suburbs like Dayton and Brabham further north to it. You could go to Eden Hill, which is just next door, or you could go to Kiara, which is a newer suburb from the 90s that, that is also a fairly good suburb. But what Lockridge really is, is the next suburb along the curve to Beechborough. And Beechborough grew 12.2% last year. Where four years ago, I could be buying a property in the early 300s in Beechborough. You're now paying $500,000 for a full block, full house with a subdivision potential in Beechborough. Lockridge is in that space right now of a couple of years ago. The median sales price is $375,000. Nearly every single house in that suburb is an old three by one that might be double brick or brick veneer on at least 700 square meters. They've all got R35 subdivision potential where you can do a house behind a house. And it's already started to see growth. It grew 13.5% last year, which on 375 grand is achievable. Its rental growth was 10% and its, and its median rental price is $410. This is the kicker. It still hasn't really run yet. Its sales days is still 28 days on average for a house. Now, I think we're going to see that start to kick down a lot. And it's a bit of a hidden gem right now. It's probably my smoky of the top 10 and, it's, it's probably, and it might be surprising that I've put it at number three. But as I said, I'm looking for and the arbitrary suburban growth by the end of the year, I want to look back and see where that kick. At $375,000, it's a suburb that I see has a lot of upside simply based on the affordability side, especially as people get priced out of suburbs like Beechborough, 
Kiara, Morley, and Eden Hill. They will move to Lockridge and look to find the best properties they can in that area. And with the upside of a subdivision potential as well, I really see Lockridge finally having its gentrification it should have had about 20 years ago when they were looking to change the name of the suburb to Pepper Tree. Never happened, but nonetheless, I'm a big fan of Lockridge and believe it's time for it to run. That's my number three pick. Number two is back down next to Safety Bay. We're going into Rockingham again. We're going to follow the East Coast investor pool and we're going to Waikiki. Last year, Waikiki made 18%. We talk about Perth making 5 or 6%, whoever you ask. Waikiki made 18.4% last year. Its median sales price is 450 grand, so still very affordable for the investor for the first-home buyer, sitting just above the threshold for not paying any stamp duty at all if you're a first-home buyer. Its rental growth was 24%, and now its median rental price is 495. It sits next to your warm bros, your cooling ups, your bold ibises, but it is, again, another suburb right on the water, right next to Safety Bay, benefiting from the relaxed lifestyle of the area, a surge of people starting to move in there and a surge of investors. It takes 10 days to sell a property in Waikiki. That's insane. For a suburb this cheap, that would have many other options for people in this price point. 10 days demonstrates that when a property comes up of value, people are jumping on it. And this is the theme here between Safety Bay and Waikiki. And you, and you could start to move down a little bit and move down to your secret harbors as well. These suburbs are right under the microscope of the East Coast investor pool. They believe these areas are well under value given its proximity to the ocean and train stations. You either jump on board as an investor in Western Australia or you look to pick your own suburbs. Either way, I believe Waikiki is going to continue to have a run as more people from the East Coast learn about this suburb. And finally, my number one pick, and again, this is not my number one pick for long-term growth. This is not my favorite suburb in Perth, but this is a suburb I believe has got a long way to go given its price point, given the pressure from the East Coast, um, given its subdivision potential and larger properties. That suburb is Medina. Medina is only $320,000. It grew 16% last year, had 17% rental growth and a median rental price of $400 a week. It takes 13 days to sell a property in Medina and back in the day, it would take three, four months. Why has it pushed so far? Simply, the theme of last week and the theme of today, affordability. The city of Quinana is doing a lot to increase the amenity of the area. It's got suburbs like Bertram and Wellard leading the way with regards to uh, newer and better stock. But a suburb like Medina, which is quite an old suburb. It's got a lot of history and that British population that first moved across demonstrates so much value when it comes to land per square metre and putting a roof over your head. Next order it is Callista with 15% last year, Aurelia with 16%, even Quinana itself, the town centre made 9%. This area in Quinana, just like the city of Rockingham, just like the city of Mandurah and the city of Gosnells, is under so much buying pressure from the East Coast investor pool based on its rental yield. There's only 2,500 people in Medina. It's a small suburb, but statistically, I'd like to look back at the end of the year, and I believe that these suburbs, these 10, Dudley Park, Gosnells, Langford, Beckenham, Girilween, Marangaroo, Safety Bay, Lockridge, Waikiki, and Medina, all in that third and fourth quartile of prices that haven't had their true run yet, that have been the ugly ducklings for a while now, now going to start seeing some large percentage growth. As an investor, I'll be picking out subdivision potential properties in these suburbs. If this is where you can afford, this is where I'd be going. Now, I did promise a number of Smokies that might not meet this top 10 ranking by the end of the year, but certainly I see as being 
as good, if not better, long-term value than the top 10 suburbs I've just ranked out there. Now, these six suburbs I'm going to provide are not in any order, but I believe more holistically from those fundamentals I spoke about being proximity to the city, proximity to activity centers, water, and schools, these suburbs are probably more my favorite in terms of medium to long-term growth. Now, the first one I'm going to rank off is one that I haven't been a fan of for a long time, but one that I think is now far below replacement costs, just given the timing of the build for most of these properties, and that's Wellard. I've not been a fan of this suburb, given the fact that it's essentially a newish land estate a decade ago, but it's a suburb that was absolutely smashed in value, probably worse than any suburb I'm aware of in the last downturn. However, it's one that represents quite a bit of value now when it comes to the pressures we find on house and land packages as an alternative for new first-home buyers. Its median sales price is 442 grand, with a sales growth of 6% last year and a rental growth of 14%. It sits next to Baldivis, Bertram, and Clister. And this is the kicker. This is the main reason I see value in Wellard, especially given its sales days are only down at 16 days, is to reiterate the fact that most of these houses are about five years old. Now, five years ago, you could build this house for about 35% less than you can build it now. So if it cost $200,000 to build that house back in 2018, it now costs about $300,000. The land value is about the same. But what we're seeing is that if you're looking for a new home, if you're looking to buy a house and land package in Wellard or in Baldivis or anywhere around that area, Bertram, you're going to pay a hundred grand more to build the house that down the road in Wellard is only a handful of years old and could do with a repaint. Other than that, the house should be in good quality. So Wellard itself, I believe, will have longer term benefits after suffering so much. The next pick, Morley. Morley has been one of my favorite suburbs since I started investing 14 years ago. Morley not only benefits from a huge variety of price points and housing types, it also has its own shopping center and it will very soon have its own train station. This will be out in the next year or so, the East Morley train station. It will provide so much more amenity to the people of the suburb. It's a massive suburb, 21,000 people. It sits in the city of Bayswater. It grew 7% last year, so still did well, but compared to its closest neighbor Bayswater, which grew 14%, I really still see a bit of a run. Its median house price is pretty much the median of Perth. It is a barometer of Perth. Its median house price is $560,000. It takes 15 days to sell a property in, in Morley, demonstrating it's still under a lot of pressure. And it still has many, many properties with subdivision potential. Essentially, every property in Morley is an R20 to 25 property at a minimum. And some of the properties on the Bedford side are R40 or R60. That means that if that property has not been subdivided yet, it can be. Most importantly, the increase in amenity on Tonkin Highway with the train station coming in, properties closer to the Embleton Beachbridge side, I see having lots of value growth in the next five to 10 years. My next pick was my number one pick last year. It's Heathridge. And now Heathridge did pretty well last year at 8.7% growth. It had a rental growth of 18%. And now its median house price is above $500,000 at 565 grand. Its median rental price, 520. The reason I still pick Heathridge because it still has subdivision potential properties. It still has very good, strong 80s double brick homes on full blocks. It's in the city of Joondalup with a lot of British immigration. It's still one of the more affordable suburbs in the area and will benefit from a ripple effect from the Ocean Reef Marina. The suburbs around it, Edgewater made 14.5, currently 10%. These suburbs like Belden and Heathridge and Craigie are still going to continue to see growth. 
It took only 12 days to sell a property in Heathridge, demonstrating it's under a lot of pressure and it's certainly had a lot more online views per property than the Perth average. My next pick is Higher Wickham. Now, you've heard me talk about Higher Wickham before. It's a big favorite of mine because of the similar factors. Big 700 to 1,000 square meter blocks, double brick homes for the most part, a median sales price that is now at $500,000 with sales growth last year of 5.9%. For me, it's still under the radar. It's in the city of Kalamunda. Nearly every property in this suburb has subdivision potential, but most importantly, it's just had its train station open up. For the first time in its history, High Wycombe has its own train station, which is one station away from the airport. This is a huge benefit for a big swathe of population in Western Australia who are FIFO-based people who want to be close to work, who can literally just ride to the train station, lock the bike up, be one stop away from getting on that plane to work. I see over time High Wycombe benefiting massively from this train station and I implore people a lot of people from the east coast who look at the map and think oh it's a little bit far away to think about the amenity of this area and this train station and give it a crack it is certainly an affordable suburb it's a lot of good quality product in the area and a lot of subdivision potential for the future my next pick which is really just an overflow from that is forestfield Forestfield benefits the same way from the train station. I won't speak too much to it, but if you can't pick a property in High Wycombe, look to Forestfield, get as close as you can to either the train station, the shops, or Hartfield Park, and enjoy some fantastic subdivision opportunities there as well. Finally, and my last pick for the year as a smoky is the suburb of Limwood. Why do I like Limwood? Well, sitting in the city of Canning, which is an a little bit of an easier city to deal with when it comes to subdivision. Linwood is a suburb that's like, like Langford, like Beckenham, benefits from a lot of immigration into the area. It has a fantastic improving school that's had a great reputation for improvement over the last few years. And it's essentially an overflow school for the pressure that goes into the Willerton Senior High School and Ross Moyne Senior High School. If the parents can't afford to get into those locations, Linwood is the next option. Its median sales price is 460 grand and it has not had a run yet. Its sales growth last year was only 2.9%. But if, again, I had a smoky that I'd be picking, it'd be a property in that area again, like a Linwood or even a Parkwood if I can throw it out there. Guys, today that's 16 or 17 suburbs I've mentioned that I believe, based on the fundamentals of affordability and those big four that I always talk about, proximity to the city, proximity to water, proximity to good schools and great activity centers, these are the suburbs that I believe you should be focusing on this year. If you can afford properties, in higher price points, I would always advise reach for the stars. From a long-term perspective, get into the most expensive suburb you can afford because capitalism continues to widen the wealth gap in this world. However, if you're looking for that first investment property, that first subdivision property, you're looking for year-on-year growth, rental return, these are the 16 suburbs that I would suggest you need to have a good look at for 2023. Guys, I hope this is an episode that you find valuable, that you can repeat, that you can look through over time, and the one that in a year's time we can look back on and review, and and hopefully my picks were right. Happy hunting in 2023, and I look forward to all the feedback you guys give me every week. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!